Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I don't know about you, 2020 and 2021 was pretty rough. Come on, say amen. Pretty rough. And it just, I mean, what was next? This would happen, that would happen, then this was going on, and this one, it just never seemed to stop. But in December, the Lord began to speak to me and tell me that 2022 is going to be a different year if the body of Christ will rise up and take control of the situation spiritually. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And he even gave me a prophetic word. I've spoken it several places to churches. I'm sorry it's June before I get it to you, but you still got half a year to put it into practice. He gave me the verse from the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, where it tells us that there's a tree of life there in heaven. And it's on either side of the river of life, and it produces fruit, yielding fruit, every month, a different type of fruit. And I thought, man, that's interesting. It was December when I was reading this. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, in this coming year, and that's the one we're in right now, I want you to believe me for a miracle every month in your life. Come on, say amen to that. He said, I have a different manner and kind of fruit for you in a number of different areas. So since January, I've been believing for a miracle every month. And I'm going to share a few of the areas that I've been believing for. I want you to do that the rest of the year. you got plenty of time to do that. But I'm telling you, every month, I have had a miraculous breakthrough in this year. And I know the news won't tell you about that. You'll hear all kinds of terrible, terrifying things happening. More plagues, more pandemics, more this, more war. But let me tell you something. I've decided to kick the devil off my plane. Come on. My favorite movie of all time is Air Force One. And I don't really know why that's my favorite movie. It just is. And it's something about the end. How many of you saw Air Force One? Okay, three people. Awesome. A bunch of you did. So help me out. The very last scene where the president, Harrison Ford, is playing president, And they've been kidnapped and hijacked by a group of terrorists who took Air Force One and have him flying all over Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan or somewhere. And and he finally ends up getting all of the terrorists off. But the one guy that had been the worst and the killer and everything was fighting with him on the tailgate of Air Force One. It was down and there... 30,000 feet or whatever, and all of a sudden Harrison Ford gets something around the guy's neck, shoves him off the back of the plane, and the man is hanging about 50 feet out there with this rope around his neck, and then Harrison Ford makes the greatest line I've ever heard in a movie. If you know what that line is, help me out with it. Ready? One, two, three. Get off of my plane. Come on, give him a hand clap right there. Now, I didn't hear you. Come on, what was the last line again? Get off of my plane. plane. And something about that line for this year, Jeff, it just made me think, you know what? I'm pretty sick of the devil right now. I'm pretty sick of everything he's been doing, fighting, fussing, 
clamoring, goofiness going on. And the Lord said to me, you know, I gave Israel the promised land. I gave it to them by grace. When they left Egypt, it was 10 days. They said, all you guys got to do is go in and take it. I'm going before you. But the problem with grace is it has to be matched with faith. God has a promised land for you. Every one of you listening to me or online or other campuses, he's got a promised land in 2022, but you only take what he provides by grace if you match it by faith. You march into that promised land, it's full of giants. It's not empty. You have to fight. You have to take authority. And so these five areas that I'm going to share with you today have really transformed my life. And interestingly enough, I find it out of Psalm 112. And you might have a Bible, but you probably don't. You got your phone or you're watching the screen. So Psalm 112 is an acrostic psalm. Every verse starts with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But I love the beginning of it, and I'll read it from my text. They're going to have a verse in a moment. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandment. Now, it says blessed is the man. We know that that is a generic term. It applies to both men and women. So some translations say blessed are the people, blessed are they. That's sort of a general thing. But at several places in the psalm, it literally does refer to a man. It says a man. Now, you fathers, come on, say amen. And this means that this is a psalm, particularly, that it's not only for everybody, but men should particularly claim it because it speaks well, like verse 5, it is well with the man who deals generously in Lent. So fathers, go back after you get home and read Psalm 112. This is a game changer turning point for your life if you'll believe God to kick the devil off your plane in five areas. And the first one that he mentions is about your children. Now I'm reading Psalm 112. Here we go. Verse two, blessed is that man. And it says his offspring, that's your chillin. You know what that is. His offspring will be mighty. I love that in the land. Not weak in the land, not a problem in the land, mighty in the land, the generation or the children of the upright will be, say that next word with me, blessed. Now, the very first thing, dads, that I learned to do when I started having children with Melanie many moons ago, 43 years ago, we had Joel. He's 43. I got a 43, a 41, a 39, a 37, a 30, and a 29. Everybody say, help him, Lord. <laughs> now, I brought my family picture. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people do that, but I brought it on Father's Day for a particular purpose. So you guys put my family picture up there. Now, that was actually in 2019. And you can tell we're not just pro-life, we're prolific also. Because we got six of our own, they're all married, and there is a part of our 18 grandchildren. We've had now three more added since that picture. You can see that I got two pregnant on the right-hand side. But the beautiful thing is, all of them are in the ministry or are supporting ministry with a business. 
One of them has a business that's supporting ministries, planting churches. And they married godly women. I mean, our daughters-in-law are phenomenal. They're like my own flesh and blood. And of course, I have one daughter, Melissa, all the way to the right. But one is over all the music. One is over all the finances. One is over a, a main campus. And, and Jonathan's over the church. So what I wanted you to see is God wants to give fathers a vision of multiplication for their seed to be amazingly prolific and powerful in the earth. I, don't, I thank the Lord that my children are not a part of the problem, but they're a part of the solution. How many of you men want your family to be great in the earth? Yes. So start there. And of course, I agree that you need to spend about 15 minutes a day of quality time with each child. You say, you had six, that's right, that's an hour and a half. It was pretty much my focus at night to try to be alone with each one of them every day for 15 minutes. And you say, well, I don't have time to do that. Well, you didn't have time to have kids, really, if you don't have time to be with them, because fathers have to be with them in order to influence them. Now, let me show you the power of the seed you're sowing in your children. It's called the five-generation rule. Five generations. They traced it from Jonathan Edwards, who was the president of Princeton University, a great pastor. And Jonathan Edwards had five generations, about 1,200 descendants. Now, brothers, I want you to know, you in five generations from now, maybe in the year 2200, if Christ doesn't return, you and I'll be in heaven, long in heaven, but five generations, you'll have about 1,200 people that come from you. Pretty incredible thought. When they figured out all of his descendants, here's what they found. He had one U.S. vice president. And y'all could put that list up for me if you want to. One U.S. vice president, somewhere, there it is, back there. Uh, one dean of a law school, a whole law school. One dean of a medical school. This could be you. Three U.S. senators came from Jonathan Edwards. Three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents. He's dead, but these are his descendants. Uh, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders all came from Jonathan Edwards. 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates came from one man in five generations. Isaiah said, I read it this morning, chapter 51, from Abraham, I took one man and I multiplied him. And my brother, right now, I want you to listen to me. Wherever you are, you think, well, I'm doing my best to serve the Lord. Yes, you are. You're in church on Sunday morning. Let's give a hand clap for every man of God. Come on, give them a great hand clap for being in the house of God. So you say, I'm not perfect. I don't know all my Bible by heart and all that. Okay, I get all that. But if you're keeping your promises, loving your wife, paying your bills, tithing to the Lord, all of these things, you're going to be amazed in five generations of what comes out of you. The opposite is also true. They selected a man born at the same time, 1780s, named Max Juke, J-U-K-E. He was juking and jiving all over the place. He was a prisoner 
eight or nine different times he was in the New York City Correctional Institute. Here's his five generations. Are you ready? Seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers or homeless people, 440 physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. Of his 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 died prematurely. Now you're seeing the two rivers. One is a river of life with a tree of life bearing fruit every month and the blessing on the house of a man of God who fears the Lord. And then you see another man over here that just kind of goes through life, blowing around, doing whatever he wants to do, gets in trouble with it all, steals, breaks, lies, it breaks every rule. And now you see what five generations produces from that man. I want to tell you that God has a blessing for your life. You're going to have to tell the enemy to get off of your kids. And I mean stay off. And I've been doing that for 43 years, telling the devil my children are leaders. They're going to be mighty in the earth. They're going to be influencers, world changers. And I'm talking about you as well, sir. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for that. All right, now we go to number two. And this, this next part, it says that wealth and riches, I'm reading verse three, wealth and riches are in his house. So the, the psalm is primarily spoken, blessed is the man. It is generic. It applies to all of us. But it says wealth and riches are in his house. Now, let me just, let me just go right there for a minute because some people say, well, no, I don't believe in all this financial blessing and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Well, do you like financial cursing? You know, how many of you are glad to be delivered from the curse of the law? We are. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked, wicked is laid up for the just. And Brother Osteen used to say, and we is the just. We are under the blessing of Abraham. In fact, Galatians says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham, that's why he told us to tithe. He said, tithe out of how I have blessed you. My daddy learned to tithe in World War II, dodging a plane, strafing a highway in North Africa. He got behind a tree and promised to tithe if the Lord saved him. And when the plane went by, he was okay, and he started sending a massive tithe, $1 a week, to the First Baptist Church in Picayune, Mississippi, the hub of the universe, everybody. <laughs> and when he got home, he went to the church to see what all that money had produced, and he got saved and got called into the ministry there, and that's why I'm preaching to you today, because of a father that tithed. So I'm saying there's nothing evil with finances. It's whose hand it's in. You put money in a, a good man's hand, it will produce good things. Put me a bunch of money in my hand, I know what to do. One man gave a million dollars to our surge project, planting churches. We planted 750 churches that week. I gave him a phone book size of churches around the world he had planted. You put money in a good man's hand, he knows where to go. Put it in an evil man's hand, he'll come up with all kind of evil to do with that money. 
So money is not, it's neutral. It's not bad or good. The problem is that people move in a cycle of poverty and debt for so long, they don't know they can ever break out into freedom and generosity. These people that came out of Israel, out of Egypt, were slaves. They had no money, no private possessions. They worked for, uh, for all of their life and in slavery. But when they got set free, Psalm 105 says, he brought them out with silver and gold. They borrowed all of their jewels from the Egyptians and they were just literally throwing it to them. They wanted them to leave so bad. So they came out as poverty stricken, but left as rich and had the money to build a tabernacle out of solid gold from the money that they had received from people. I'm just saying, God wants to bless his people. You're missing a good place to say amen right there. So tell the devil in 2022, get off of my finances. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I'm a generous man. I, I say to my checkbook every day, my bank balance, I say it out loud, wealth and riches are in my house. Come on, everybody say that out loud. Wealth riches are in my house. You're just saying what the scripture says. You say, well, that's relative, of course, but America's the richest country in the world. We're all rich. Compared to the people in so many countries, every one of us had clothes. Some of you had so many closets, you didn't know which closet to go to to pick out a, cloth, a piece of clothing to wear in church today. So we're all blessed. And you know what? We could all live off the land for quite some time. We've got enough down here in the belly. Come on. We're blessed. But I want you to see, you know, David Green, Hobby Lobby. That man is such a blessing. He walked into ORU, my alma mater, when ORU was going under. In one week, they were going to shut the doors and Oklahoma University was buying ORU. And David Green, led by the Spirit in Oklahoma City, the Lord said, go to ORU. He didn't know anybody there. He drove up. They brought him to the office and the trustees were meeting about how to dispose of the properties of ORU. They had their exit strategy. David Green walked in and said, I don't know why God told me to come. What am I supposed to do? They said, well, we need $50 million for deferred maintenance. We don't have it. He wrote a check for $50 million, handed it to him. He said, well, we need $50 million to pay off some debt, too, that we hadn't paid. He wrote another check for $50 million. Do you know how much money David Green's family has given to ORU, not only to save it, pay it completely out of debt, $250 million. They cough, and that falls out of their back pocket. Chris Hodges is building a university there in Birmingham, Church of the Highlands. David came for three hours, wrote him a check for $20 million. Said, that'll probably be every year we'll be doing this. They got money. They're afflicted with wealth. They need somebody to heal them. Come on, say amen. I don't know, but I want to be a person that not only has barely enough to find enough graham crackers for lunch, I want to have an overflow and excess to bless the kingdom of God around the world, in Africa, in Asia, in South America. How many of you wave at me and say, I do want wealth and riches in my house? Okay, let's go to number three. We're talking about how you're going to have to tell the devil, get off of my kids. You touching my kids, I break your face. Get off of my finances, my business, my investments. 
I'm a tither. I want to be a blessing in the kingdom. But here's the third one. And I'm just reading these verses. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. He deals generously and lends. Now, what I hear in that is blessed relationships. He, does he hear the words? He, uh, it's again talking to a man. A man should have kids uppermost in his heart. I will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and children to the fathers. He should then have finances second because that's how he blesses his kids and blesses the world. Nothing wrong with that, my brother, to believe God for a business that will bless the whole world like David Green. But then comes relationships because men are not that great at relationships sometimes. You never see men go to the bathroom in groups, do you? Women, they all like, it. come on, let's go to the bathroom. Here goes about five or six ladies going over the bathroom. You don't see men telling their brother, hey, bro, come on, let's go to the bathroom. <laughs> we don't do that. Relationships, we're, we're okay, but it's something we have to work at. It's kind of like those guys smiling in this line, man. It's like, hey, we got relationships for you. So, but this is talking about a man who is merciful and gracious. He actually builds good long-term relationships. My brothers, you need that. In today's world, there's so much division. Social media has gone berserk, destroying relationships. It ain't destroying my relationships because I don't look at it. Now, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it. If you're on it and you're spending all your time looking at Facebook, you know what? I got one word for you. You need to get your face in the book. Because there's not anything good there. People are saying anything they want, divisive, confusion, all of that. But Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. There the Lord commands the blessing. I am believing this year for the drama to stop in my family, in the church, in our community. In fact, I'm claiming 2022 to be a drama-free year. Will anybody agree with me for that? Enough of the drama. I want to get along with you. I love you, and I'll be gracious if you offend me. I'll forgive you, and I'll be merciful. There's got to be something change in our hearts where we just go to people and ask their forgiveness and let them forgive us. I'm believing for families to be healed in 2022. Well, if you got your kids serving God and you got finances blessed and all of your relationships are healed and you don't have a bunch of confusion and chaotic relationships, well, what's left? I got another one. Your emotions. Look at verse 6. The righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. I love verse 7. He's not afraid of bad news. Bad news. I figured out what CNN stands for. Constantly negative news. Let me tell you something. If your mind is surfing the internet continually for what the news is reporting, it is nothing but bad. But I keep my mind in the book and I found good news every day that I can feast on. It says he's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, firm. 
not loose, not, not discombobulated. He's trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph over his enemies. What that's saying is emotional health, anxiety, stress, and fear are not my promised land. They are saying now that the church, the biggest problem in the church now is mental health. Mental health. Here we are supposed to be filled with the Spirit of God, out of our belly flowing rivers of water, and we're as nervous and frexed as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. Some of you need some joy. You look like you've been weaned on a dill pickle is what you look like. <laughs> you need some joy. You need some peace. You need some rest. You need some refreshing. Come on, turn around somebody and just smile at them a little bit and let them know that you got some mental health. Hallelujah. But Satan is doing everything to make you worry. Oh, the recession. Oh, the stock market. Oh, I know, I know. It ain't going to stop. It ain't going to get better. If you're waiting for good old times to go up again, I think something has changed in the spiritual dimension. What if we're moving into a completely new season? You're going to have to figure out how to live your life without being anxious about everything that everyone's worried about. I ain't going to do it. I'm going to cast my care. I'm a good fisherman. I love fishing down in the marsh, and I love to cast about, a, about 100 feet away, and a big red fish get on it. That word is used in this verse, casting all the whole of your care, 1 Peter 5, 7, once and for all upon him, for he cares for you. You notice the word cast, cast. It means to take ekbalo in Greek. It means to take something and throw it to somebody else. Will you do that? You take your issues that are bothering your mind and you literally cast it to the Lord like you threw him a basketball on the Lord for he cares for you. Now here's the problem. We cast it over to the Lord and then we walk over there and get it out of his hands and take it back again. And the Lord told me this. He said, if I have it, God said, if I have it, you don't have it. But if you have it, speaking to me, God said, I don't have it. So either you can worry about it or let me worry about it, but I'm not going to worry about it if you're trying to worry about it. You know, I was getting my car serviced, my truck, my Ford F-150, fix and repair daily. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it had 103,000 miles. I brought it to my guy, spirit-filled man here in Baton Rouge. He looked at it like he usually does. He says, man, I don't know why, but on my prognosticator or whatever, it's showing two of your pistons are dead out of eight. I said, oh my goodness, what does that mean? I, I can make it with six. He said, no, this is going to destroy the engine. It's going to burn up. It's going to destroy it. You need a new engine. I said, your what hurts? <laughs> I get home. I said, will it make it home? He said, yeah. I bring it by the Ford dealership. They said the same thing, $7,000 for a new engine. And I had to break the news to Melanie. My truck needs a $7,000 engine. I said, that's the devil. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to cast that care on the Lord. She said, you need to call Geico. <laughs> I said, 
Geico is a car insurance company. They don't fix Ford engines. She said, you need to call Geico. I got tired of hearing her say that, and finally I called. Felt so stupid. I told the lady, my engine is blown on my Ford. I'm just calling, just checking in with y'all. She said, how many miles is on? I said, 103,000. She said, oh, you know that up until 100,000, you have major coverage if you have a breakdown up to 100,000 miles. Of course, I have 103,000. That's always the way it works. And she said, but let me check. Now, I got the phone, and I'm getting more interested. She comes back, says, we should have sent you an email. God is my witness, what I'm telling you. We should have sent you an email at 100,000 miles, and because we failed to do that, you go find the engine you want. Tell us the name of the repair shop. We're going to pay for the entire thing. Oh, Lord, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. I said, ma'am. I dropped the phone. I ran around the apartment where I was. You know, Christians can sit like a wooden Indian in church, but they yell like a Comanche Indian at other times. And I came back to the phone. I said, did you say y'all are paying for the whole thing? She said, yes, sir, that's right. Now, I just gave you a free commercial for Geico. Isn't that right? <laughs> they got my business, bro, and I got that engine put in. And, and you know what? Cast your cares on him. Just quit being a world champion worrier about everything. And let's go to the last one. If you'll do the first four, kick the devil off your kids. Booyah, right there. That's a good one to start with. Then kick him out of your finances. If you're a tither, tell him you have no right here. Thirdly, kick him out of all your relationships. No drama drama-free year, and then kick him out of your emotional well-being, throw it on the Lord, don't fear bad news. Okay, here's number five. This is my favorite one. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. Talking about this blessed man. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. It's interesting that that verse in the Old Testament is quoted by Paul in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, about missions. That verse is quoted by Paul about giving to missions. What he's saying is if you'll do the other four, the most important blessing you can get this year is to have a blessed purpose. A blessed purpose. Do you know there are people worth billions of dollars that have no purpose in life? I know what I'm talking about. They wish they had a purpose to help people. A calling. You're sitting in a church that's full of purpose. How about that dream center down there? If you don't have a purpose, just get down there one day a week and get involved in that dream center. Or how about the legacy offerings? It may be generosity giving to those orphans in Africa that this church works with. Or may, it may be leading a small group. We got hundreds of small groups in the church here. Anybody here is privileged to lead one of those small groups. I don't know. We got a hundred volunteers, he said, in the children's ministry this summer. There's so many opportunities to have a purpose. 
But the devil will get you worried about CNN and worried about the recession and worried and you lose your purpose, not me. I am going to get in the middle of what God's got for my life. How about you? Get in the middle of something and fulfill your calling, your destiny, and your purpose. A blessing every month. You know, one of my favorite Psalms is the 90th Psalm where Moses said, Lord, teach me to number my days. For he said, my days are like a handbreadth, that's six inches. All of us in this room, we're in 2022. How long are you gonna live? I don't know. But it's gonna go by like that. I'm 69. I can't believe how fast life has gone by. But I'm not curling up on a couch somewhere. I've got my focus on changing the world the rest of my time on earth. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.